a business has to survive by doing business right. And when I say right, you have to accept your failures and you have to also accept your successes. By accepting the failures, you have to be able to move on and not linger over something that you have no control over. Hey, welcome to My Company Story. I'm your host, Don Burge. My Company Story is a podcast where I get to interview some of the most interesting business owners and CEOs about the challenges that they've faced and how they've overcome them. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm here with Dieter Amen. Dieter is the CEO of Fulfillment Express, Inc. It's in Montebello, California. It's a fulfillment distribution and logistics company. Dieter, welcome to My Company Story. It's great to be here. Dieter, in your own words, can you tell the audience a little bit about your company, uh, how many employees you have, uh, where you're uh, operating, uh, operating out of? Give, give us kind of an idea of, of who we're listening to. Okay, so Fulfillment Express is uh, basically a, a fulfillment company. And for those of you who don't know what that is, is that we have clients all over the world who deposit their inventory into our warehouse and then they sell their products on various channels, television, radio, social media, wherever. And they provide the orders to us and we pick, pack and ship the orders. Could be uh, going to individual consumers or could be going to uh, department stores or Amazon or hardware stores or whatever it may be. So it's a broad range of clients and a broad range of products. And Dieter, did you, did you just start this company a couple of months ago or how long have you been doing this? Oh, yeah. There's been more than a few months. Um, <laughs> I started this back in 1993, and it was kind of an offshoot off, uh, kind of backed into this thing. Um, I had a consulting slash software company, and we came across a client who was advertising a product on TV and had no means or mechanism to actually get the work done and get their orders to the consumers. So we wrote some software for them. And... Um, that's kind of how we got into this particular business of providing services. As we developed the software, we realized that we could have potentially a vertical market where we could sell the software. So we started doing that. And as I was selling the software, people started asking, well, we don't really want to do this. Can you do it for us? And you know, for a while I said no, and I finally said yes. And then we started answering phone calls, doing credit card processing, doing customer service. And then we started shipping products by sort of, uh, we had an office in Downey, California, and um, we used UPS for shipping. We threw the packages to the UPS driver out the window. And so that, that's basically how Fulfillment Express started, but it wasn't Fulfillment Express yet. That was in 1993. Um, I was basically a sole proprietor, and uh, we actually incorporated it in 1997 as Fulfillment Express, Inc., so you really started off as a software company then. Is that what I hear you yes. saying? That you were, you were filling a need back in the early 90s at creating a software company that did what specifically for your customers back then and, and before it grew into the fulfillment business? I mean, what, what need were you solving in 93 with your software? Well, in those days, um, people were advertising on TV, you know, call 1-800. Those telephone calls would go to a call center where... People would answer the phone calls, take an order, sell them additional things, which is called an upsell. And then at the end of the day or whatever time frame, uh, we would extract the orders uh, through our software from the call center. We would then send the orders to a credit card merchant to get the money. 
and then uh, provide a shipping document or a document to, to, for them to ship the product, for somebody to ship the product to their customers. So in the early days, we were doing that for other people where we were providing the software and they were doing actually the physical work. I see. So you provided the software for that uh, call center and they would do process the order and then they'd send it off to somebody else. Eventually you said, hey, we'll just do it. Our, we'll have the pick, pack and ship ourselves and create the warehouse yes. and, and that yes. became that way. That makes sense. So for, yeah. for about a period of about oh, seven or eight years, we did both. We sold the software and we built uh, Fulfillment Express, but it became too difficult to manage both. So we decided to just concentrate on, the, on Fulfillment Express. I see. And Dieter, tell us, how have you seen the industry change over the last 25 years, as long as you've been in business with doing this? How do you see this industry? What has, where, how's it changed and where's it going? Well, of course, it changed dramatically because in the early days, we call this direct response where people would respond directly to, you know, a, um, a half an hour infomercial or a, or a one minute spot or a 30 minute spot, you know, 1-800-CALL-NOW. There was no internet. And as the internet became more prominent, things started shifting. People started building websites and shopping carts became into being. And um, so the, the shift came away from television and radio and onto the internet and to uh, people who use their own shopping carts, you know, and it was the birth of like um, Shopify and WooCommerce, 3D card and all those. And of course, not to at least is um, Amazon. So Amazon is really, has really reshaped the, this industry in many, many ways, ways for people to sell their products because anybody can now sell their products by basically having Amazon doing the marketing. They can ship it themselves or Amazon can do it for them. So Dieter, it seems to me that that would almost kill your business or hurt it tremendously. But did, was that the case? Or were we able to adopt and work around that? I mean, here's a huge player and they're disrupting so many people Amazon is. And here you've been in that space before and you're in it now. Tell me what that was like or how did you deal with that? Well, I have this theory. If you can't fight them, join them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you, how did that work? So what we realized is that our clients needed multiple channels to sell their products. So when they came to us and they sold, told us that they were you know, selling on Amazon, you know, um, fulfillment by Amazon, which is called FBA or FBM, fulfillment by merchant, we talked them into at times to have their own website, sell their own products because the margin is much greater. So if you're selling a product for $100, and let's say it costs you 25 bucks, you got some money in there that you can pay for the service, have some profit. When you sell it through Amazon, because it's very, very competitive, with Amazon, it's basically what I call a race to the bottom. If you and I are selling a coffee mug, and um, you decide that you wanna get more of the sale, and you lower the price, well, there's mechanisms for, for people to find out that you just lowered their price, so they lower their price, you lower their price. You know, people keep lowering their price, and hence the definition of a race to the bottom. So basically, obviously, you make less money. So most of our clients do both. They sell through Amazon, on Amazon, and sell directly both to, through consumers directly and also into retail, you know. I see, right. So it makes Whatever is left in the retail channel, Macy's and, and uh, Urban Outfitters, or, you know, so forth, and, or Lowe's and um, Ace Hardware or CVS, um, Walgreens and those. So we help our clients establish other sales channels at the same time working with Amazon. We're a I big see. partner of Amazon. We sell 
we ship truckloads of stuff to them. Um, and we also ship products that Amazon sells directly for our customers from our warehouse. Now, Dieter, who, who is, describe your ideal customer. I mean, who's your ideal client? What, what would be a, a, the perfect client for you guys? Somebody who sells a lot of products and that pays me on time. <laughs> well, that narrows it down. <laughs> that makes it wide open. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't know if that's a perfect thing or not, but I'll tell you a little story. We had our first client in Australia in 2013, and it was a company called Frank Body, and they had a body scrub, and they started doing really, really well. And we're talking five, 6,000 orders a week. And they paid their bills on time. So that made them, that was the definition of a good client. Yes. On the other hand, we did a really good job. They liked us. We liked them. And they started talking us up. So effectively, now after seven years, when somebody in Australia wants to do fulfillment distribution in the U.S., basically our clients are telling them, call Dieter. Got it. By doing a good job, by fostering ourselves and helping them, whether it's with importing their products into this country or providing um, local services that they don't have access to over there. Um, it helped us grow with clients in Australia, India, Venezuela, uh, Canada, UK, of course, and the US. Yes. By offering lots of service besides our core services, which is, you know, you bring me the product, I store it, I pick it, I pack it, I ship it. We do a lot of other things. Um, if they need insurance, we put them into, into contact with an insurance agent. If they need to bring the product in from India, we have a broker that we've been working with for 15 years. Um, we have our own bond that they can use. So we make it easy for them to deal with us. So, Dieter, would you, is that, would you say that that's what differentiates uh, Fulfillment Express Inc. from your competitors is that, is that you offer these various uh, add-on services and you make it easy for them? Is that what differentiates or, or is there more that differentiates you guys? Well, I think that's the basic premise behind it is that we also have a really good client service department in terms of relationship with our clients. We, uh, you know, the old saying, you know, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. Yes. Well, I keep my clients closer than that. <laughs> um, and so uh, by staying in touch, in the old days, I used to get on a, a plane and visit them, right? Now, um, we'll do a monthly or bi-monthly. Um, we used to be Skype. Now, we're using Zoom, where we'll do demonstrations of new software, new features, new functions. We try to stay in touch. We try to offer in more things um, so that they don't have the idea of wandering away because somebody is going to give them a better price. Right, right. Well, that, Which has that, happened to us. We're, we're working hard. We've been with a client for years, and they come along and... I'm sorry, we're going to move to ABC company because they're going to do what you're doing for 10 cents less. It can be devastating. So we've sort of accepted this as a way of doing business. We don't force our people to stay. We just make it very advantageous to work with us. So what I hear you saying, Dieter, is that one of the challenges that you faced has been that clients will just come up to you and say, you know what, uh, we can get it for 10 cents less over here. We're going to change our account, even though we've had a great relationship for 20 years, we're going to move over for, for just a, a few cents more. And you're like, you know what, I'm sorry, I can't do anything about it and, and, and just move on. Don't take it personally. Is that what you're, what you're saying? Or, or yes. tell me more about that. Yes. The first couple of times that happened, I took it very personally. And then I got to thinking about it. This is a business. And a business has to survive by doing business right. 
And when I say right, you have to accept your failures and you have to also accept your successes. By accepting the failures and whether or not this is a failure or not is you know, up for debate. But the point is, is that you have to be able to move on and not linger over something that you have no control over. Mm-hmm. I think I learned that years ago and, and it's held me in, in great stead because it matured me in the way I handle business. Yep. It's not that I just walk away. Um, obviously, I try to keep the business, but sometimes it's inevitable. It doesn't happen often, but it usually happens when people start very small. You spend a lot of time helping them. They get to be successful and they start to, to think they know it all and that they don't need you. That's great um, advice to I, pass along I, to people. Sometimes we had it where they did that and they came back uh, six months to a year later and said, you are right. You are the best, which of course made us feel good. Yep. Yep. No, I know what you mean. I've, I've had the same experience in my company, uh, not just with customers, but with employees also. They'll think that it's uh, grass is greener somewhere else, go work somewhere else and then want their job back after a few months because they realize uh, that, you know, you may not be a bad guy after all. So it does work that way too. Speaking of employees, if I can interject, please. We do that too. So the average employee has been with us for 10 years, mm-hmm. which, is, which is pretty good in an industry of, of this type. And, and I think part of it is attributed to that, you know, it's like a family environment in a, in a sense. Um, I don't get personally involved in people's lives, but um, we treat them like their family. We provide medical and dental and life insurance and vacation and sick pay. And we do things that other companies don't do in, that are in, you know, in our marketplace. And because we're not a huge company, but I believe my employees are my biggest asset. So I have to take care of my asset. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, if we, especially right now with the pandemic, we're working on Saturdays, we're working late. So on Saturdays, I'll buy everybody's lunch. If we're working late, I'll buy people dinner. Um, just the things that I don't expect anything in return. I just do it because I want to. I, I want to not make them happy, but not make them unhappy. Right. You, like, again, you understand you, what that means. I do. Yeah. You treat them like the way you'd like to be treated. I mean, it's yes. just, a, just being respectful of one another and they're really helping you as much as way it goes both ways. Well, Dieter, can you mention a little bit more, talk a little bit more, every, every guest that comes on the show, I ask about the challenges that, that you have faced and you certainly faced quite a few in the last quarter of a decade or so or more in business. What comes to mind and about what challenges that you have come across and how you overcame those challenges? They could be with customers, with employees, with vendors and any number of areas. Yeah, I mean, look, it's either feast or famine. Um, lots of business are, you know, have their ups and downs. We've been pretty lucky. Um, we, we've never had any real, real issues of, you know, uh, going out of business or anything like that. Uh, biggest challenge always has been the warehouse space and having to move. Um, we were in Pico Rivera and in the same facility for, I don't know, 22 years. But at the same time, we've had other warehouses close by. We had 10,000 square feet across the street, 15,000 square feet down the road. And, and working in multiple warehouses is incredibly difficult because, as you might suspect, everything is always in the wrong place, you know, and, and moving things between warehouses and, and so forth. It, I think that's been our biggest challenge. Uh, last year, we moved out of Pico Rivera into Montebello into a much larger facility. And we thought, and we signed a five-year lease. And I thought, well, this is it. Five years down the road, I can't see much further that. We're going to be fine. We're going to grow nice and easy. And guess what? The epidemic came along. The pandemic came along. And I'm out of space. Mm. I'm looking for other warehouse. 
that's a good thing, but it's also a challenge. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a it, funding challenge. It's a it's taking the time, um, and and so for people who have warehouses, the facility is a huge challenge. Now, some of that we've overcome. We have a partner on the East Coast, a company called Swan Packaging in um, Wayne, New Jersey. So they ship product for us from the East Coast for clients who can afford to have inventory in multiple places. And we ship products for them on the West Coast, the Western part of the US. So we split the country in half for some clients who have the funding, the financing to have inventory in multiple locations. So, so I see. So the way, you, the way you solve the problem of warehouse space has been finding key partners that you can ally, uh, align with uh, in strategic locations and do service for them and they do service for you and it helps your customers in that fashion and that, that solved a lot of the warehouse frustration you've had. Is that, yes. is that what it is? Yes, it has. Yes. Okay. And like, for instance, right now, we have a really, really large client. There's no way we could ship it all from here, but by moving half of it or a little bit more than half because there are more people on the East Coast to the East Coast. We still make money. We have an override on it, but we're not handling all the work. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. It, us, it helps our growth without having to do the physical effort. Yep. Nope. That's perfect. Dieter, before we end the show here, what are there lessons that you would like to pass along to other business owners who might be listening? Say someone who's only been in business for five years or some, or just starting their company off or really thinking about what to do to grow in, uh, you know, in the warehouse business or retail business or software business. What comes to mind or what lesson would you like to pass along to that person might be listening? Well, I think a uh, number one lesson that I learned is stay the course. If you start something, see it through and learn to work with your customers and work to establish that you do things for them and they do things for you. For, for me, I treat my, my customers, which we call our clients, like my partner. And when, I, when we start a relationship, I do most of the sales. I have long conversations with them about how that works. And basically it is, I do service for you and you pay us for those services in a timely fashion. And I'm not talking about net 30 and paying in 45 days. I'm talking about our, our actual terms are, are net seven days. Mm. So we do the work, we bill people on Monday, and they pay us by next Monday. It's unusual. That's it, it's unusual. Um, and it actually really hurt me when I went to the bank to get a loan because the bank says, well, you have no accounts receivable. <laughs> I said, yes, but I have cash. Yeah, I have cash. <laughs> they <laughs> couldn't get that. That's so a good my, thing. My, really, my, um, uh, my suggestion to people starting off or not having the length uh, in business as I have and perhaps you have is to stay the course, treat your customer like partners, uh, treat your employees, like you said earlier, like you want to be treated. Yep, that's wonderful. That's, that's great advice to pass along, Dieter. And it As we wrap it up, in it, it, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? I know you're on LinkedIn and, of course, email and a phone number. What, what, how should they get a hold of you when, if someone's listening and would like to reach out to you? Well, uh, the best way is to go to our website, which is fex. 3PL, which FEX stands for Fulfillment Express, F as in Frank, E as in Edward, X as in X-Ray, the number three, the P as in Peter, LS Logistics.com. Um, okay. So FEX3PL.com. And if you click on more info, um, and uh, it, it will email me and um, I will respond. That's fantastic. There's also a phone number there. They can, uh, they can call that phone number and when it's answered, they press one for sales and that comes directly to me. 
That's great. That's great, Dieter. Well, thank you very much. You've been a very interesting guest on the show, and I really appreciate you coming on and doing this with us. And I look forward to following your success and staying in touch. It's been a pleasure, Don, and um, wish you continued success with your podcast and all your other ventures. Thank you, Dieter. Hey, thanks for listening to My Company Story. We have new episodes coming out every week, so please subscribe if you like this. And if you'd like to hear previous episodes, you can go to mycompanystory.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you or someone you know would be interested in coming on the show, please email me at don at Thanks for listening.